Hello, welcome to episode one of our new podcast. Uh, today I'm sitting down with my co-host Robbie and we're going to be talking about parenting through a pandemic. Uh, and then we're going to just let the conversation flow and see where it takes us. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the I'll Never Claim to Have Read a Book podcast. So parenting in a pandemic. We've obviously had, we've had what, we now 11 months in, aren't we? So a long time, really. A big a year, proportion yeah. of a year. both of our lives. So what would and that be? Yeah, Ollie's life. Ollie's three. So it's literally a third of his life. But probably all of his life he can remember. Yeah. So he's never been in a he's never been in a memorable situation whereby everything's open and people don't have masks on. Did you have yeah. that, any or issue does, with masks? Does he have any? Does he does Yeah, from a personal point of view? No, no, from um we had a bit of a weird phase in well when they brought them in, I don't know what month that was now, but um he would be very, Far too very late, twitchy about it? people July, like this, looking at people going, why are these people wearing masks? Uh, right. It's so strange, isn't it? And then you have yeah, to sort of uh, explain. Yeah, I think Eleanor was just about old enough to be able to get her head around it. But I, I can imagine. Does, does Ollie remember a world? Like, does he have, does he talk about things that in a pre-COVID world? So I think with him, it's like... um the inconsistency is his problem. Like one month he can go to soft play, the next month he can't. So the really difficult thing is, is trying to uh, explain to him, oh no, we can't go to swimming lessons today. We can't go to soft play today because it's shut. It's like, well, why is it shut? Yeah. So we're always yeah. conscious of that. He may feel like, oh, they don't care about me enough to take me there anymore. But it's actually not that, not that straightforward. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's definitely the hardest part. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, and Eleanor's, Eleanor's definitely found that. With I, I think I read somewhere the other day that since March last year, the rules have changed something like sixty-three times in terms of what we are or aren't allowed to do. Uh, and as adults, you can see the confusion, frustration, and apathy that has spread from that. But for a three or four-year-old uh, trying to trying to explain to them why it's constantly inconsistent, well, consistently inconsistent, is uh, yeah, really tough. Yeah, I suppose it's like, um, I feel like one of the things I'm, I'm reading and learning about, like gentle parenting. Sorry, you're reading? Oh, sometimes. I can't, I can never claim to have read a whole book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I might just not finish it. I might just get about halfway through and just quit. But you're always trying to... Okay, uh, I never claim with... to have finished a book. There you go. We shall rebrand. Um, but is you're always trying to find these ways of gently explaining the world to a child and uh, using sort of gentle parenting strategies rather than being forceful about things. But it's one of the basic tenets of that is having this uh, structure of this is how we do things. This is the consistent boundaries. And with things changing all the time, you have, there's no consistency whatsoever. No consistency yeah. from day to day. So... Oh, like Ollie's a keynote for routine. He loves it. Oh, he goes here on this day, this on this day, soft play on this day. But a lovely little routine. It all just got smashed and thrown out the window. And it was a, a rough old time for a few weeks. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think most of it is 
it comes down to well even before the pandemic you, you saw it happening in this in in the western world with a, a increased isolation and dislocation from from being connected to a wider groups in society which then the pandemic has just doubled down on and uh, put turbo boosters under in terms of us being stuck in our little boxes all day because uh, i think what are we supposed to, what are homo sapiens supposed to be um in group what, what's our programming it's about 80 to 150 people yeah or so it's between between 50 and 100 if you're going to be doing it loosely based on sort of a tribe mentality and then at, but mm. at a certain point a certain number there'd be like a conflict and then probably split in half into two smaller groups but we're certainly not meant to live in societies of 63 million. No, but we're not even that. That's the thing, isn't it? We're not even in society. Even before the pandemic, lots of people weren't even living in a community of 50 to 100 people. Uh, you're living in with what, however many people are in your house, three, four, five, six. And, and then you might have some close family or friends, but perhaps most people much less than 50. And we're not talking online friends. No, no, that's um, although that's the only way that we can connect with people at the moment. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, it's I'm completely aware of the fact that I'm staring at a laptop and I've got a camera pointing at me, for example. Whereas usually this conversation maybe could have taken place in a in a public area inside, perhaps away from the rain. But yeah, and uh, maybe maybe one day it, uh, it hopefully will, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that, that, I mean, what's Ollie like with video tools? He was a bit weird of it at the start, but I think, I, I think they're more adaptable than we are, in a sense, because I'm, I'm very sort of, through this whole, whole scenario, I want things to be like they were 2019. Why can't it just be like it was before? Well, obviously, it's not going to ever be the same again. Things are going to change from now forever and it's not going to be like 2018 or 2019 whereas he's just living day to day like oh yeah great i'll adapt to this we spend more time in the park and in the woods we don't do this so often now but i'm always yearning for what i loved before and feel like i'm missing out i don't think he feels like he's missing out at all to innocence yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, definitely, uh, like, Ellen has found it tricky, I think, like, with the video calls things of being able to see people on screen, see Nana on screen, but not be able to uh, uh, be with her. I think that stuff, but it's, I think it's really important to do to try and keep that connection. Uh, and I think that that's the hardest thing, really, from the pandemic is preserving that togetherness, uh, which is the kind of the root for any emotional well-being is to have you know lots of healthy connections from being zero years old to to as old as you like one thing i did find is that um i i think because ollie's just sat a little bit younger he would and obviously he was only two years and three months when we first got locked up so like the difference between two locked years up. and three months and now yeah literally that's what it feels like whereas uh, that's the rest at I least at least like the first stage when you're only allowed out of your house for half an hour a day, once a day. Whoever, who would have ever thought that a government could, could go, you're not allowed to leave your house for more than 30 minutes a day, otherwise you'll get arrested. Uh, it's just insane. But um, he, he, he found it hard to, and it was really difficult to deal with, 
You can see them on TV, but you can't go to their house. And there's undeniable parts of nature that says that that is not the way we should be living. Obviously, at the moment, it's a it's a necessity in, in most people's view. But he found it hard to adapt to the fact that he couldn't go and touch someone. He couldn't go and be in their, their house, but he could see them on a TV. Yeah, just really confusing forever. I mean, you you look at a four-year-old's face when they go running up to Nana uh, and then both Nana and parents are going, stop, uh, because they, you know, <laughs> we've hit lockdown one and we're not supposed to be doing that. I mean, it just goes against all of our human instincts. And like you're alluding to there, it is, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the homo sapien programming is we need connections we need to be in groups of people and big problem beforehand that we we're all becoming increasingly isolated with screens and uh, this this is uh taking it to the next level uh but what do you what do you think about um uh health fitness of children predominantly from the pandemic well obviously you've sparked upon what my actual job is um yeah. but uh it's it's a difficult conversation to have with people there's part of me that just wants to be really really blunt and honest but it's hurtful but i mean aren't we gonna ha- are we gonna have the most deconditioned generation of children ever like nature never intended us to be sad because the best part of a the year there's been lots of children that have done little to no exercise so we're gonna have so fat kids everywhere fat kids everywhere a rate we've never seen before uh, which is going to have huge impacts on the mental and uh, physical health in, in the coming decades. I mean, I, I wish I had the How do we stop that? Those are stats, but uh, I think from, from working with kids and teaching kids uh, physical sport, and in my case, martial arts, which is also very technical, but so physically demanding, um, mm. like one in five kids that I see, uh, I'm like, how, how does this happen? How are you? Seven, it's it's not like a confusion. You, just like, what, what do you, what, how does what my, happen? My, the lack of physicality. Yeah, like my son does not stop moving for about 12 hours a day. Mm. So, and he's three years old and I can't see that slowing down at, at any point, really. Maybe that's maybe naive. But what, how do we get to a point whereby we've got seven and eight year olds that are obese? How has that even yeah. happened? And we went to... Uh, the splash park our local splash park during the summer obviously with restrictions and you're only allowed 40 people in this area even though you're outside and there's chlorinated water everywhere but still um councils have got to be responsible but you're looking around and you're going that that kid's like overweight that one there is definitely obese like how is this going to be better in the long term like and then and then you look at this uh pandemic and this this virus that's attacking people with respiratory and obesity problems. So you're going, oh, this is like the perfect Petri dish for this virus to just kill people. And it's hopefully what I am hopeful for. I'm hopeful for that when we come out the other side and gyms are open full time and our classes are back to normal, normal, that people will go, okay, right. I feel like I need to do something about that. And I'm really, really, really happy to have those conversations with people that when they come in our door for the first time and they might want to try out a class and go, look, I am unfit. I've eat, eaten rubbish for 10 years. I've not done any exercise. I feel self-conscious about that, that I can approach it, whether that be with an adult or a child and go, look, that's the way it was. This is the way it can be now, but it's up to you to change. 
but it's so hard like to, I, it's so like I, my, my physical fitness is is part of my life and to see seven and eight year olds that are obese in a splash park it, it just it's it frightens me to be honest it's scary yeah, I, I completely agree. But I think let's unpick that question where you said, I don't know how it happens. Well, how do I you know, think it happens? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Too much in, not enough out. It's as simple as that. But, but, but how, how can a parent let it get that bad? And I'm not having a go at people because, you know, it's a very, very complicated world and everyone's double busy working two jobs trying to pay a mortgage and barely scraping it together at the end of the month well, yeah exactly that's that's how it's getting and uh and it's part a lot of part of least resistance uh stuff for parents so you i see it as a teacher with uh you know if a screen is there as the as a babysitter then it will be used and uh and then you know what originally probably started as a as a one-off uh becomes ritual and habit and uh and before you know it they're doing overall exercise a day and uh and you've got yourselves a problem and then you can't once you that's ingrained you can't and then go we're going to this club or whatever uh because they, they're just gonna be resistant to it because it'll be too ingrained so, so it's not think... people's fault it's structure's fault okay so starting it start it early and just trying to maintain that everything's going to be doing yeah physical. yeah uh but but also um there needs to be yeah so much more support for parents particularly in the first three years of life uh and uh uh, and beyond in terms of the the amount of increased child poverty the in repression of wages the amount of people that are losing their job in this pandemic the i should be getting my kids out and doing exercise has gone way down the list for a lot of people because it's how can we continue to live in this house for, for the next month yeah yeah that's my worry because uh part of my like selfishly part of my income is off people's leisure time and I'm, I very, very yeah. quickly realised back in March that I'm completely a luxury. My people <laughs> attend, attend to my classes. It's a luxury. You Christopher do not Bartlett, need... a luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolute luxury. I mean, it's, it's not. It's no. It's no rebrand going on. But <laughs> if if people are tight at the end of the month and they need to make savings, yeah, on the you'll first be the first thing to go. Yeah. But then they're swapping. The, the time, the 45 minutes they'll have in a class with me that will help their body and their, their mind develop with sitting on an iPad or playing PlayStation, mm. which right now, if you do, you're a hero. Stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. So if you stay at home and then get this nice sort of routine where you don't ever leave your house, don't ever do any, you know, any sort of group activity, then you're being like, rewarded as some sort of saint for that. At the moment, and I, I think that's going to be hard to break in the next twelve months as, as this vaccine rollout uh, carries on. And you know, maybe people are like, "I like playing PlayStation. I don't want to go out anymore." Well, well, I mean, you, you and I would have been in that first generation of, um, of, of you know, computer consoles, and uh, uh, and I suppose the the mass addiction to screen probably started in the in the 90s didn't it uh so so we, yeah we know how that feels in terms of uh yeah just wanting to do another level play another game uh and i think that's one of the huge problems with 
children and child anxiety is parents not uh, having that relationship with their child, not like they used to anyway, because they are not present. They are not in the moment because they're playing on games. Not not just the kid, the parents as well. The amount of kids in my class that tell, tell me like, mum's on Facebook too much. She's always looking at uh, on her phone and things like that. Uh, we've we've got um yeah a massive problem with with generations not connecting and understanding each other uh, and the impact on that on top of a pandemic where nobody's going out and doing any exercise uh, is going to be well terrifying and I suppose fascinating to chart on one level as well but um, yeah I suppose that's where you the likes of uh, well both of us but come in in terms of uh, what what is the way forward because like you said it's not going to go back to we're not going to just reset to 2019 which largely is probably a good thing there was a lot wrong with that 2019 as it was but um yeah what whenever it'll be this summer will look like who knows yeah it's, it's a like, I, i'm i'm constantly like every day i'm like oh why can't i just do this why can't i just do that but like you say there's a lot there's a lot that's wrong with it um have you had a like we went through a period of where like literally where everything was shut with like back in April, May, June last year, it was, it was absolutely fine because it was nice weather. We was out all the time, you know, great British summer. Actually, it was quite a nice welcome break. I, was, I wasn't that stressed because they just brought in the um, the uh, self-employed support scheme. So I knew I was getting paid or, or compensated for my lack of work. And once that came in, my stress levels went like this. Like before that, I was an absolute mess um, before they announced that. Um, but then it's just a a time of acceptance where I was like yeah fine we'll just spend more time outside we'll go and explore some new woods maybe we'll drive to here and make a make a bigger thing of it but then when the colder months came you want to see the, the amount of hours that I didn't even know were happening because they were just happening sort of subconsciously that Ollie would just be sat staring at an iPad like this yeah. all like the little things whilst I'm making him lunch or cleaning up from lunch or preparing an activity or I'm on the phone for some reason and you look at it, you know, we looked at the stats. I didn't even ever pull them up ever again. It's horrifying. But you <laughs> opened it up and I was like, what? How many hours? So we, we had to set like a, I don't know if you've ever done it, but put like a little limiter on it. So like a part of the setting. So have you had to limit right. screen time at all? Any no, I mean, limiters? Eleanor's very good. She's not particularly into it. Like she likes to watch a film. She's relatively disinterested with with ipads or any of the games like that she's got uh, just an amazing imagination she can like sit and play with playmobile and ma magnets and other things and just create her own little worlds which i know the bubble is going to burst on that at, at some point but um, <laughs> so i'm trying to keep that going as long as possible but um yeah it's a real because we're in a situation now where you've got children growing up in an entirely different way to how we grew up uh it, it's the temptation i think it was a gabor mate thing actually who said that uh things like uh alcohol and sex are are good or can be good in moderation uh and uh the, well, do we give them do we allow children to have them or do them no because they're not ready for them yet they're not yeah. ready for them. Their brains aren't ready for them yet. Their bodies aren't ready for them yet. Uh, but uh, the same with screens. The same, you know, they're they're not they're they're not ready, and they will they they will negatively uh, or overly attach to screens 
instead of people and then that's going to have a huge knock-on uh in their future ability to form relationships you see it in schools with the four or five-year-olds that come in now uh they they make massively less eye contact than the children 10 years ago when i started teaching uh their their communication skills just the ability to form sentences has fallen off a cliff uh and it's because they haven't been having that kind of they haven't been having that practice that because they've been you know connecting to a screen instead of human beings so weirdly, um, sort of, we, we've tried to use that in reverse because um, Ollie's sort of between two and three is when they first start to learn to talk properly. Obviously, they're saying the odd word at eighteen months and making noises, but uh, really between two and three, we've really seen like a big jump in his speech. And um, one of the things that frustrated him and, ha- and still does frustrate him and annoys the shit out of me every day is an Alexa. So he yeah. constantly tries to talk to an Alexa. Now, when you talk to one of those things as an adult, you have to you have to speak as if you're talking, literally as you are at a robot. Yep. To Add broccoli to the shopping list, and then it will get him. But it's in a way, it sort of helped him develop his speech because he is so yeah, incessant yeah. on trying to get this little disc that lights up and controls and listens to all of my life in the corner of the room, and he's he's started to get it, and he's really sort of going, right, I need to slow down and really pronounce my vowels because this little spy disc isn't going to pick it up otherwise. But yeah, I can uh, completely but, say but, it. But, but yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying our technology uh, is all evil there's loads of us as we know as we're illustrating in this moment there's loads of wonderful uses for it and great learning tools and learning aids uh, uh and and something like that then you know very useful if it's helping your child announce their words but yeah it's it's just it's just moderation isn't it and the uh, the amount of use and certainly teaching a class of 10 11 year olds um you've got a whole group of parents that do not put filter settings or don't understand the filter settings uh, and you've got again children who are unable to deal with uh, the, that level of just stimulus and input that they're getting from from the internet that is just completely unfiltered coming into their brains and uh, uh, yeah, making them confused, anxious, addicted, everything else uh, in between. So when we put the, the filter settings on, um, it was quite a, quite a good thing. He didn't accept it, first of all. He was like, what? What's going on here? Like, this is broken. <laughs> Why so this so, he, so, he, so he, he clocked straight away that you'd, you'd, you'd changed it. Like, with, as soon as the time ran out. The, the, first okay. time, the first time the time ran out, he just looked at me as if I'd just done him a massive injustice. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done to me? Why are you doing this to me? And then after a while, he started to accept it. Like, oh, the little timer thing comes up. You're out of time. Okay, cool. Like, now we'll play with some cars, do some magnets or whatever. And then one day, I think both me and Kelly were across the room. And then we heard the noise of him deactivating it. Right. But it popped up. And then there's a little button, like a little bit of text that's quite hard to negotiate with with a a three-year-old's finger. But he went, boom. And then it comes up disabled for 15 minutes all the rest of the day. And he went, hmm, all day. And then that was it. Like within, I'd say within three, four weeks, he'd figured out how to turn it. But maybe even less than that, probably about two weeks, he'd figured out how to turn that thing off. So then we're yeah. back to manual regulation of, right, now I have to 
get an activity that's more engaging than this ridiculously addictive flashing thing that creates a magical world of wonder that I can't even comprehend of how to how to match these these flashing primary colours of, of <laughs> you know overstimulation unless I was going to literally walk around with primary colours flashing on about in my living room. But yeah, it's so. Totally I, think, I think you underestimate yourself and children when you say that because I think uh, I, I think that what they absolutely love and they're amazing at it, especially at the age of sort of two, three, four, is just creating their own little worlds. And you just say something, and it's true. Uh, you just say uh, that you know now you're this character or I'm this character, and they're just they're there, they're in the moment, and they're just absolutely loving it. Uh, and I think that you see. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it already with. with with Ollie, but you can see the addictiveness of them in terms of same words with us when we were uh, kids. I'm sure that w- as soon as you ask them to come off it, what do you see? Oh well, yeah, it's just rage. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, addict, like, completely. Why are you asking behavior. me to do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so no, no different to taking heroin away from the heroin addict. Is it? Is is exactly? Uh, it just shows that level of addiction. And something that uh, Emmy and I read and do is to make sure whenever you, because it's such a almost like a jolt coming from the uh, the screen back into the real world uh, to to kind of go in there with them. So they sort of engage them with whatever they're doing on the screen uh, and then obviously give sort of time-based or game-based limits to when, okay, and then after this one will be coming off. Uh, and that sort of eases them back into reality rather than, right, you're coming off and then just... Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. One thing... Um... That uh, was really, really beneficial, and, and Kelly got this through work and her brilliant, brilliant education. Was uh, sand timers because if you say to a, like if you say to a three or four year old, right, ten minutes, and then we're going to go and do this, they can't tell the time. Like he asked me what's the time, <laughs> and I tell him it's quarter past seven, and he goes, he doesn't know what quarter past seven means. He doesn't know what ten minutes is. He doesn't know. He knows that the sun comes up and the sun goes down. And when the sun goes down, usually he's in bed. And when the sun's up, we're doing stuff. That's all the, all of his understanding of time is. If you say to him, like, you've got 10 minutes, and then we go to somewhere. Well, yeah, I'm no better. And um, and then, but we use, uh, we got a, a little 10-minute sand timer. But he can visually see, oh, look, I've got this much of the sand left. And then there's this much. Yeah, that's much. good. So the, the sand timer has been, been quite successful in that way. Apart from the fact that we caught him once. We turned it over and it was nearly finished. I looked over my shoulder and he went and turned it back over. So 10 minutes turned into about 18. Yeah, that's good. That's intelligence. Yeah, I like but that. But yeah, I'm always quite surprised about how how quick he is to sort of pull the wool over our eyes and outwit us. I think it's, it's an incredible thing of a child. Like They'll get around like little problems. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, we were no different, I'm sure. And then, you know, that's the whole point of mm. being a child, especially when you get to the teenager years, isn't it? It's, uh, it's what what can you do without uh, uh, without parents knowing? But um, yeah, I think with this, we're, we're continuing on the um, uh, addiction and screens is there was a quote. Who was the dude who wrote the book with um, Gabor Mate, the one book that you now own? Downstairs. Yeah. Anyway, him. Oh, no, he, he, him. 
he's him uh he said uh, I'll, protect, I'll put up a little caption maybe at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> protect the <laughs> protect the important from the urgent and i want to get this framed and put somewhere in the house but i think uh that it's such a good quote in terms of something that it's so easy not to do protect the important from the urgent there's so many things that you think are urgent whether it's you know getting somewhere on time or uh, uh i don't know your child's having a meltdown in public and you, urgently you want to not be there with people staring at you uh, uh but actually what is important uh, at any particular moment you know what is actually important for that child's development uh and uh, for the adults as well protecting the important from the urgent i like that hope you enjoyed that quick 30 minutes we got so much more to to talk about uh we realized at the end we got we rattled off a massive list uh, of stuff that uh we've we're looking to discuss so um tune in for more subscribe and if you're listening on spotify make sure you press that follow button